I'm Eric, and today I watched WWE's No Mercy 2017, which aired on September 24th. Okay, so let's talk about the not-so-great stuff first. Uh, If you do want to see or listen to my predictions or picks, what I hope was going to happen, go listen to the previous episodes, uh, week 38. And uh, a, a few few of the things I got right were they were set up with certain expectations that were fulfilled. We got Elias Sampson singing a song about Titus and Apollo. Uh, he didn't specifically say Titus worldwide, but uh, I, I'd say it was close enough. It was a great song. It was a great song, and the timing of it going into the match and all of that with Apollo Cruz's entrance, excellent excellent um so that that's the that's the one thing that i'm i'm most happy about uh going how i was expecting and it was on the kickoff show so if you want to check it out uh it's maybe at like the 40 minute mark 35 minute mark of the kickoff um probably my third favorite part of the show overall um, my second favorite part of the show was the women's fatal five-way match for the Raw Women's Championship. And then my favorite match of the night was the tag team championship match between the bar and the shed. The champions, Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins versus Cesaro and Sheamus. But uh, let's talk about... The last half of the show first. That way I can end things on a positive, start things on a positive, positive note. Notes, chords, strumming with uh, Elias. And end on a positive note with the, uh, my two favorite, uh, favorite matches of the night. Okay. So the second half of the show. Oh, it was, I, it lost a lot of momentum and any one if if just one of these matches happens and then the other two were really good it wouldn't have been so bad i guess like it it wouldn't have seemed like it was such uh such an awful thing for any of those three matches to not go that well um I the the worst one and it and it killed the momentum of the night I thought, and I mean I kind of got lulled into a sense of security that oh this pay per view is so freaking good, like how is it how how is this how is this so good, um, and then the the answer was on average it was just okay, but uh, John Cena versus Roman Reigns a WrestleMania worthy match. Uh, the match that we saw, uh, if that did happen at WrestleMania, well, uh, well, I guess it's a good thing it wasn't at WrestleMania because it, it, it wasn't very exciting. It, it was really weird. The beginning of the match, it felt, 
I don't know. I still don't really even watching John Cena's interview afterwards. He's very um okay, after watching the interview on Raw Talk or the discussion on Raw Talk af- afterwards. Uh okay, so Roman Reigns won after getting beat up a lot by John Cena. He got hit by like 78 different versions of the attitude adjustments. And I guess the attitude adjustments worked to get Roman Reigns right in the mood to to finish the match with a spear, a Superman punch and a spear. But, uh, okay, so so Roman Reigns won. And John Cena, the, the aftermath, the aftermatch, was uh, kind of weird. It felt like John Cena's done. He says he's not. That he'll be like a Batman figure who comes when the spotlight shines for him. Uh, which is probably going to be a lot, actually. But, uh, yeah, it was really weird. weird. It, and I, I was starting to think, like, is this actually, like, a satire of Undertaker versus Roman Reigns? Like, all the stuff that uh could be seen as bad in this match be it uh pacing or uh how the match is finished uh the the response to specific moves and all kinds of and all that stuff that uh could be seen as bad seemed at the same time seemed very very intentional and i i just couldn't tell oh yeah it kind of reminded me of like this is a weird Weird comparison to make. Uh, there's an episode. There's a new episode of Mystery Science Theater 3000. I think it's maybe episode four or five. I haven't gotten very far into it, but uh, it's uh, what is it? It's space. No, it's star. Star Clash. Uh, the Star Clash episode. That you have the cast, the Mystery Science Theater cast, uh, doing their thing. But the movie itself, it's all it, it's all overdubbed. There, there's no practical sounds. It's all uh, it's all dubbed in the studio. And as I was wa- as I was first watching it, I didn't realize that was what was happening because a lot of the characters' voices in the actual movie sound like either the act- the Mystery Science Theater cast or voices that they would normally do to make fun of what's happening on screen. Uh, like the vocal quality is the same. The recording quality seems, seem very similar, uh, on the, the media that I was watching it on, uh, on a tablet with a, with a speaker on there. Um, it was that same kind of thing where I couldn't tell there were time There are times when I couldn't tell what was actually the movie and what was, uh, that meta layer of commentary from those guys um and that that's, reminds me of this match reminds me of that because especially in the first half of the match when they were doing a lot of like john especially was like really working the crowd um being like oh should i leave then when they're chanting you both suck and uh right after that when the action actually actually began of them trading blows uh it seems unrealistic 
how easily Roman had the upper hand there. And he was really like wailing on John. And it felt like it was on purpose, that it was uh, some kind of commentary on something. I don't know, as opposed to being presented in a as a realistic fight, if that makes sense. So I, I still don't know if the match is some kind of uh, weird satire or not. Um, the, the interview afterwards would lead one to believe that it, uh, that it is not. But uh, at the same time, like, this match does not compare at all to matches we've seen in, in the last couple of months, let alone earlier this year. Uh, some amazing John Cena versus AJ Styles matches. Uh, and even most recently, John Cena versus Shinsuke Nakamura was great. Um, I don't see how those compare to this at all. There are a couple of good moments. And maybe if the match was consisted only of those moments without a lot of the, the, the filler the rest of the time, maybe it would have been a lot more entertaining. Okay, so the point that I was, I, I think I was trying to get to right at the start of this rant about this match. Um, well, first of all, here I am talking about it for a solid 10 minutes, practically. Um, so it's it's sparking something, at least, I suppose. But uh, also, uh, especially after watching Raw Talk, John Cena uh, talk about the match on there. It seemed a lot more for Roman and John person to person, wrestler to wrestler, superstar, whatever, than about it being a presentation for people who are watching it or something. Like it was a lot more meaningful between the two of them to each other than it was to a, a lot of the audience. Um, which I guess is, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I'm not saying that it should have no meaning to them individually, but that didn't really like translate, I guess, between like the whole build up of it and that kind of thing. Um, because I don't know if John was doing these things to help Roman, he was very, mean about and we don't really get that from what we actually see on screen on raw and uh in this match i guess so was this story successful i i don't know what was the what was the purpose of it what were we trying to accomplish with it with this was it to show that roman reigns is capable of doing his job that uh he should be taking over from john cena I uh, that seems to be at least from the raw talk interview what the whole idea of it was and uh it seems to be the point of a lot of the words that were said between them in the last few weeks so was it successful in doing that uh, I, I guess we'll have to see with uh roman on the microphone in the weeks to come and that kind of thing. It's the more important thing than this match is what happens next.
and hopefully it's at least somewhat entertaining. Okay, so uh, the other two matches in the second half of the show, we had Neville versus Enzo Amore, and I think I may have uh, predicted how the match would end somewhat. The the low blow is a pretty. I mean, if you see if if they go for the low blow uh, in a non ring uh, a non competitive situation, that's uh, a pretty clear indicate indicator that they're going to do it in the match itself. So I thought I'm I'm not I'm not happy that Neville lost, but I do appreciate the effective strategy which Enzo used to uh to 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 do it to get the win to get the championship um it it worked it made sense and i mean that's all i really look for in if an ending is going to happen like that if it doesn't make any sense at all then then i'll be scratching my head like why what was the point of that this had a very clear buildup. Uh, all of the uh, warning signs were there, and it's up to the characters, the the, the characters, their headspace, their what mindset they're in. Um, if it makes sense, I guess you could say the psychology of the match. Um, I thought it made sense, and it uh, there it was the downfall caused initially caused by Neville taking his eyes off the prize being overconfident instead of hitting that red arrow which is right ready to do he went down to the next rope turned his back to do uh what was it a falcon arrow and that gave enzo enough time to get out of the way and uh he was able to take it from there uh he his ultimate strategy was to go and get the championship the cruiserweight championship belt uh from the uh timekeepers or the whatever 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 the people over there are called that are holding on to it for him and uh he was about to get counted out but when he grabbed that that somehow got the ref distracted enough that okay the the count is over i'm not going to continue counting he probably should have if he did continue counting he was up to like seven or eight when he grabbed uh, the championship. Uh, and so it could be argued, could definitely be argued that Neville should have won via countouts before Enzo even got near to getting back in the ring. But uh, it, it did its intended purpose of causing a distraction that would keep Enzo from getting counted out. So it worked on that front. He got into the ring with the championship and uh, gave it to the ref, who then turned his back on the two superstars in the ring to return the the, the championship for, for safekeeping to finish out the match. And while the back was turned, Enzo kicks Neville in the little Nevilles. And uh, that that does the trick. He pins him and wins the championship. So I, it, it made sense. It made sense how why it would work. Uh, we had the seeds planted for it happening, 
So it didn't just come out of nowhere. There's precedent for it. And yeah, it made sense. I So overall, I did like this match. Uh, I don't like that Enzo Mori is now the champion. And uh, the first thing he does on Raw Talk is talk about how it, it looks awful. And that's... Uh, and he, I guess he didn't realize... He's like shocked to learn that there's the Neville side plates on it. But he does realize that they have screws to 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 fix them on there so i guess he was just playing it up but um anyway okay yeah a lot a lot of complaints on online for this match but i I thought it made sense and if it wasn't the match immediately following john cena versus roman reigns I think it would have been received a lot better. I know I would have enjoyed it a lot better if this was the match that came. No, maybe I've been even more upset. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but it happened in the order of what it what happens, and that's all. That's uh, all we can do about it. I guess on the bright side, it probably means that I'll see more of the cruiserweights, at least all the Enzo segments and some more Neville on the Hulu version of Raw, because otherwise they usually are left out. Um, Okay, and then the main event. So I'll go back to the first half of the show after this. Uh, The main event started off really good, and I was enjoying it quite a bit. Braun Strowman versus Brock Lesnar. But uh, as the match progressed it kind of reached a tipping point where it's like, okay, this isn't going how I was hoping it would. And now it really hasn't gone how I hoped it would. Uh, Not that I was, I was not expecting Braun Strowman to win the championship, but I didn't think that Braun Strowman would end up looking like kind of a punk. Although, okay. To play devil's advocate, we did see Brock Lesnar break out the Kimura lock, which looked pretty painful, like really painful. And I don't see why we couldn't have had that be the finish, that it was something that Braun Strowman had not encountered before. So there was no way for him to prepare for it. Um and it seemed like a, a move of desperation for Brock Lesnar. Like his usual, his doing the suplexes just weren't doing the job. So he has to break out this submission move. And it's, uh, yeah, it, it took a lot of Braun Strowman's energy out of him. And it was from that point that Brock was able to get the upper hand again, initiate suplex city. But, I don't know. I, I guess it was, I guess we had to see all those suplexes and stuff for it to be a trademark Brock Lesnar match. But I, I think it would have been so much more satisfying. Isn't really the word. It, it would be so much less unsatisfying had Braun Strowman lost in that moment from that submission hold. But I don't know. And since that is the last actual match that we have uh, have to leave us thinking about, 
uh, it would seem that this this pay-per-view is not that great. But we go backwards in time. Uh, we open the show with The Miz versus Jason Jordan, Intercontinental title match. Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, the ending, it was, there was foul play involvement with, from the Miz Taraj. Uh, we almost had the Miz beaten by Jason Jordan, but uh, due to a d- distraction from the referee, or d- uh, a distraction by Bo Dallas of the referee, um, and so a little bit of help on the opposite side of the ring of, uh, from Kurt Hawkins, uh, the Miz was about to, about to be taken out for sure. But because of that distraction, uh, the Miz was able to hit the skull-crushing finale and get the win, successfully retaining the Intercontinental Championship. A uh, couple of great moments throughout the match. I actually only did watch maybe like the second half of it, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little less. Um, but there is a great belly-to-belly suplex uh, on the outside where I think I think Jordan threw Bo Dallas into the Miz and Kurt Axel might have been the other way it might have been throwing Curtis into uh Bo and Miz but uh that that was a pretty that was a pretty good that was a pretty good moment and then we also had the the the, the perfection of those no, double northern lights suplexes that's really hard to say. I had to stop the recording and, and try that again the double northern lights suplexes so good so good but um but yeah, it is 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 a good match. It's a great match to open the show, and uh, it got me pretty excited uh, to get into things. Now I did, I I got home a little bit after that match began, so that's why I missed the beginning of it, and I also met, missed Elias versus uh, Apollo Cruz, and I just watched that the next day right before recording this, so. My my order of events for watching the pay-per-view are also a little bit different. And since the Elias versus uh, Apollo Crews is the last thing that I've watched, um, other than Raw Talk, uh, it's, it has me feeling pretty good about the pay-per-view. So before I talk about my two favorite matches, real quick, Finn Balor versus Bray Wyatt. Uh, man-to-man. Uh, the, the whole storyline of this feud is iffy. It's a lot of it has been left off of Raw, or I've just ignored it because it's a lot of the same stuff that Bray Wyatt says every week. But um, I thought the having Finn Balor win in man form, <laughs> Finn version man, uh made sense because we already saw Finn versus Bray man to man, quote unquote, and uh, Bray Wyatt won. So what would it accomplish to have that rematch since the demon won at SummerSlam? Uh, I, I, I didn't think it would have made sense for Bray Wyatt to win again. It has to be a progression of Finn Okay, so we might be looking at this as being a story about Bray Wyatt and that him losing at No Mercy doesn't make sense for Bray Wyatt's story. But I feel like it's more so a story. The story is about Finn Balor 
can he be strong enough without becoming the demon to defeat this this swamp wizard wizard swamp wizard <laughs> or lizard he might be a lizard person too um and uh as far as that story is concerned i thought uh this result made a lot of sense now finn does have the confidence and not that he was lacking confidence or anything like that but uh the beat down right before the match and all of that finn was ready to just go back and basically give up but he got he did get fired up and he went back in there and uh he took care of business and defeated bray wyatt and he got out of the sister abigail a couple of times um and all that stuff so i i didn't think i i it's not one of my favorite matches ever i think it's the best of the three bray versus finn matches um i wasn't particularly invested in the story especially bray wyatt's side of things but uh i thought it did make sense and now hopefully we can see both of these guys do something else something let's do something completely different also i really liked finn balor's gray uh gray ring gear not only his ring gear but he had a a a gray leather jacket usually it's it's straight black but it was uh a little bit lighter yeah so it's like 50 shades of finn okay enough of that uh let's talk about the women's championship match fatal five-way this followed the tag team match which was incredible but we'll talk about that in a second so i was kind of expecting i was worried that this match immediately followed as like oh that means that this is not going to be that great how could you possibly follow up how could anything follow that tag team match let alone a women's fatal five way that uh i i don't think anybody was really expecting it to be awesome but it was and everybody in it had a great moments nia Jax especially the double samoan drop holy crap that it was kind of silly getting into it um because uh she lifted up alexa onto her shoulders and sasha was climbing up onto the turnbuckle to do i, I don't know what her intentions were but it, it felt kind of like a like a, a katamari game where you you roll over to something to 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 attach it onto onto your ball. So uh Naya Katamari rolls over to the the corner and just adds Sasha Banks onto the pile and it's that double Samoan drop. I thought that was great. And then uh we also had a quadruple team up to get Naya out of the ring. It was like a quadruple power bomb basically. Uh power bomb uh, drop kick combination from all four of Naya's opponents. I thought that was really cool. My pick for this match was Emma. She didn't win, but the next best thing, she wasn't the one who was pinned. So at least there's that. Alexa Bliss hit Bailey with a DDT and got the pin there. And I was kind of waiting for something to happen after the match, but. Uh, no real resolution so we'll see what happens next 
on Raw and how we're going to get get into TLC because it's it's announced Asuka debuts at TLC. Does that mean her in-ring debut that we won't see her at all before then? Will it all be um, pre-recorded uh, hype-up type vignette teaser, teasers? Teasers. It's a teaser. Um, I don't know. I am really excited about it. Uh, I've, I really hope that it's a one-on-one match. Uh, if, it's a, if it's a ladders match, that'd be awesome. If it's uh, any other kind of uh, whatever, whatever kind of match it is, I'm excited for it. Asuka versus Alexa Bliss, probably. So whatever it is, nobody's ready for Asuka, but I am very ready to watch Asuka kill some people. Um, All right. So the best match of the night by far one of the best matches of the year. Raw Tag Team Championships, Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose versus Sheamus and Cesaro. Oh my gosh. There are, there's so much I could say about this match. It is must see. The, I, it made me so stressed out watching it. Just imagining how much pain, especially Cesaro, is in in this match so he gets launched it's it's kind of early on in the match cesaro is launched into the turnbuckle he goes a a little bit too high a little bit too far face first into the top of the post jams uh from what i understand didn't break his teeth it jammed his two front teeth up into his gums and that I can't even I don't want to imagine what that feels like but uh that first little bit of blood and then we get this this perfect shot of him with his mouth open his teeth blood everywhere oh my god oh my god and he just keeps going there is no sign of letting up from the Swiss cyborg uh it's is ama- that alone and just like at SummerSlam uh, Cesaro for me is the star of the show for going after that beach ball is tearing it up so this time he he gets torn up it was it was uh it was karma from that beach ball the beach ball actually belonged to some kind of a sorceress who's who has held a grudge he's like I'll get you back Cesaro I'm gonna I'm gonna curse you at no mercy the ring post will have no mercy against cesaro um but yeah oh my gosh he he performed the rest of this match as good if not even more incredibly well than he always does and that is why cesaro continues to be one of my favorite superstars in wwe if not my favorite so freaking awesome and badass and uh unfathomable how much that must hurt that whole time and afterwards and the adrenaline has to help a bit but to to just know all that blood had to be hard to breathe also just that blood 
filling up your mouth and all of that, and you can't just like keep spitting it out and and such. Uh, he did leave. Uh, he did go off screen for a little bit, probably to see what was up and see if he could actually continue and all of that. So I took totally understandable. It's like, oh, he, he should have tagged tagged out right away. But um, what, I I figure he he found out that okay he could continue, he would continue, and we got so many amazing moments in this match. I can't even list. The, I don't even try to list them. But uh, the the main one that was friggin' awesome was uh, the white noise on Dean Ambrose. Uh, it was going to be a teen up white noise, but uh, Seth ran up, tried to interfere with uh, keep Cesaro from uh, doing that team up, and instead of getting distracted, Cesaro saw him coming, grabs him. Has him hung up upside down and uh waits for Seamus to hit the white noise and he just power bombs off of the top, off of the off of the turnbuckle. Cesaro power power bombs Seth right into Dean Ambrose. And then right before this, uh Seamus is just giving it to Dean Ambrose and Cesaro goes over to, to Seth's side of the ring and just puts his face up against the robes and is holding his eyes open as if to say, watch this, watch what we're going to do to your tag team partner. And it was like so evil and awesome. And then the blood everywhere just adds even more to it. Oh, this match is so freaking good. It's so freaking good. But ultimately uh, we had that knee and dirty deeds combination from Seth and Dean that uh, got them the win. And they retained the, the, the Raw Tag Team Championships. So are we going to get a table ladders chairs match between the bar and the shed? I sure hope so. And I hope it's just those two teams. Don't get anybody else involved. This is one of those cases where I'm fine with just these two teams going at it month after month after month, week after week. Keep it to the two. And it'll still be awesome unless they decide, uh, hey, we're going to make it a three-person tag team match. Why would they do that? I don't know. So that we have a shield reunion, I suppose. And who would join Cesaro and Sheamus? Um, I can't even think of who might join Cesaro and Sheamus. Maybe they'd have to they'd have to convince Bray Wyatt to go on. But that's not much of a get since he just lost to Finn Balor. But uh, perhaps they can find someone. Perhaps they can convince the drifter to join their side and become part of the bar. The bar needs a guitarist. I don't know. So anyway, that this match was incredible. If it was the main event, this would be the best pay-per-view of, of the year. Even with everything else exactly the same, if this was the last thing that happened, uh, I think it would have blown everybody's mind just as it did in context of the show, but then it was followed by a bunch of other stuff that wasn't nearly as good. So I keep clapping my hands together like that. So when you hear that, that's what I like Gordon Ramsay style. So I apologize for that. <laughs> I'm going to stop now. Now. Okay. My hands are not in clapping positions. Okay. So that's it for no mercy. I looking back on it. 
I liked, I loved the things that I loved when I was watching it. I don't dislike the stuff that I disliked nearly as much as I did. And other than that one match, it may, it, it all made sense. So that's it for this episode. Let me know what you thought about No Mercy by tweeting me at TIW Podcast. Go to todayiwatched.com for more reviews. If you enjoyed this episode or anything else on the site, please share some links with your friends. Subscribe on iTunes, write a review on iTunes, and support the show even more at patreon.com slash todayiwatched. I'm looking forward to see what happens on Raw and SmackDown and NXT this week. Next week, the week of October 2nd, the, the m- Monday of that week, uh, Raw and SmackDown are in Denver, and I have tickets to both, and I am so freaking excited, especially for SmackDown. Last year, uh, Matt, Aaron, and I went to Raw, and that was the return of Goldberg, and it was freaking awesome. Uh, this year, we're going to um, – and then I went to SmackDown alone. This year, I'm going to Raw alone, and the three of us are going to SmackDown and it's the last SmackDown before Hell in a Cell. That's going to be super, super awesome. I think. I hope. I really hope so. Plus, we get to see 205 Live, which may or not be a good thing <laughs> with who the new champion is. But I am pretty excited for that, too, um, to see all the other guys there. And uh, and then later in the week, Rocky Mountain Pro Wrestling is uh, taping... Um, taping events and and then showing they live at the alamo draft house and i just bought my ticket for that so it's going to be an awesome awesome week for wrestling for me next week and i'm gonna be i'm already really excited to talk about it and it's still a week away um so stay tuned for week 39 which is not that week and week 40 which is that week um for all the stuff that's going on there and then of course hell in a cell at the end of that week oh that that is so much wrestling that week um but that's pretty much how it's been since i got back from tour with the may young classic so much to watch and uh then later this month i just i i i might be able to make it i keep saying that i thought i might have been able to make no mercy happen i didn't i didn't go to it kind of maybe kind of a good thing um that i didn't go all the way out there to go go see it but uh nxt possibly the closest they've been to denver so far um uh they're in uh nebraska and uh iowa you got sioux city omaha and dubuque i think um i'm not i i may be able to go and road trip over there it's kind of a long drive but uh to see nxt live be so awesome and uh i'll keep you i'll keep you all posted all right that is all for now see you next time bye <laughs>